This is a presentation of Blakesley Sports Media. Welcome to BSM Live. Here's your host, Stephen Blakesley. Welcome you along to this episode of Blakesley Sports Media Live on the ShortTrackLive.com network. And another episode with a new guest this week, a crew chief. Something we haven't really done before here on Blakesley Sports Media Live is have a crew chief on the show. And who better to have today than Travis Sharp, the championship winning crew chief in the Arc Menard Series West, leading Jesse Love to become the youngest Arca West Series champion ever at just 15 years old. And they accomplished that feat on Saturday at Phoenix Raceway. And we're going to hear from Travis about what it takes to have a driver that young pull off that big of an accomplishment. We've talked to Jesse Love. He was one of the first guests that we ever had on this program back in February. And after that, we talked to Bill McAnally. And now we'll get to talk to the crew chief after this big historic season for the number 19 Napa Power Premium Plus Toyota Camry driven by Jesse Love, a driver that we know very well. Of course, the two-time 5150 Junior Late Model Champion out there at Madera Speedway, where we work. And we'll be talking about a very big event at Madera coming up this weekend as well here on the program. If it's your first time tuning in to Blakesley Sports Media Live, my name is Stephen Blakesley. I'm the host of this program every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific. But we also archive this program across the internet on podcasting platforms such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, and also on our racing news website, shorttracklive.com. Wow. It has been a crazy couple of hours, part of why we started a few minutes late. There is a lot to talk about. A lot of racing news has come across in the last 90 minutes or so for the West Coast. We keep up on all the West Coast short track racing news at shorttracklive.com, and there was a bevy of it. The word that we used, we had to look up how to spell it. We had an upheaval and we'll talk about that upheaval of the 2020 schedule in November here for California in just a few moments. So our segments on the program, we open with the segment that I call the best thing that I saw over the weekend or best thing that I saw this week. And I kind of stole that idea from Scott Van Pelt and the ESPN Sports Center. And then our second segment is a trip to the winner's circle. All the big winners in West Coast short track racing from the weekend before. And then we end the program with the on the radar segment where we talk about all the big races coming up this weekend in California. Of course, it's November, a lot less racing going on, but a lot of racing news to talk about. So we'll talk about some of that racing news as we go through the program as well. Please comment with where you're tuning in from and what your home racetrack is. We always love to hear where people are from and what they're doing out in the short track racing world. And please share this program. The more shares that we get, the further this thing will go out there to the racing public, the more we can spread how we love West Coast short track racing. And again, a new guest, Travis Sharp, will be on the program here in just a few moments. And it's time now 
for the first segment of the program. This is the best thing that I saw over the weekend, and it wasn't over the weekend. It came across the pike today. It's up at shorttracklive.com. And this is going to be the nominees for the 2021 West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame. And the reason why I love this nominee list, you'll see them kind of flying by here, but this article is on shorttracklive.com right now. I want to thank Owen from the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame for sending this over. The reason I love these nominees, it's a lot of drivers with Northern California roots, a lot of drivers that a lot of us here at Short Track Live, Blake's Sports Media, and all of the people that tune in on a weekly basis will be very familiar with some of these drivers. So remember, Jim Pettit II has made the Hall of Fame. Doug McCown has made the Hall of Fame. Well, we've got Dave Bird and Ken Boyd on the nominees list. And that would be like the Motley crew, those guys. And they were all kind of hanging out together at last year's Hall of Fame banquet in 2019. And everyone keeps saying Dave Bird is overdue. He is a nominee to be inducted this year. He's not inducted yet, but he's been nominated. Another nominee that we know very well, Brent Kading on the nominee list. Great to see that. Nick Racino Sr. on the list. That is well overdue. And then the one that really got my eyebrows raised and I got excited because, of course, we've worked with him before in the USAC ranks. Tony Hunt has been nominated for the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame. Really excited about that. I know there were a lot of people also excited to see that George Snyder, Ziggy, is on that list uh, just a awesome list. Sean Woodside, of course, Jimmy Walker and all of his accomplishments driving those blue number 48 super late models. Danny Ongeis, who raced at Indianapolis. Uh, it is a who's who of people on the list. And any combination of these nominees would be outstanding and just really cool to see the West Coast Stock Car and Motorsports Hall of Fame continue to honor so many great people that contributed so much to West Coast Stock Car Racing. So we'll see as that thing develops. The banquet is going to be on a Saturday. It'll be the first Saturday of June 2021 on the Sonoma weekend out there at the Meritage Resort in Napa. Usually the banquet is on a Thursday and usually we televise it for Mav TV with Kenny Shepard, myself. Uh, we'll see what our plan will be this year with it moving to a Saturday and how schedules will work out. But uh, I would love to be there because that's a lot of drivers that uh, really made a lot of their big runs in, in time that I got to see on the track. Normally, the Hall of Fame inductees and nominees, I didn't really get to see them race. But uh, Dave Bird, of course, a driver I respect dearly and uh, got to see him win a lot of races at Stockton and Altamont. Tony Hunt with the USAC stuff. So uh, very cool. So that was the best thing that I saw over the weekend. And now it's time to take a trip to the winner's circle and Probably the youngest restricted winner in the state of California in 2020 is Jet Barnes out of Isalia, who won the Lonnie Kaiser Memorial photo courtesy of Chris Cleveland. You see him up on top of the car holding up the number one. And the cool thing about Jet Barnes is he ran junior sprints last year, had a tremendous year. This year he moved over to running Cycleland and Red Bluff in the outlaw carts and has been away from the micro sprint scene comes back to restricted a big move for that youngster 
and promptly picks up a win at Dixon. I think it was the first time he'd been to Dixon all calendar year, and he wins the whole thing. So big performance there from Jet Barnes. An article you may have seen on the Internet because we help these guys out with their PR efforts. Ashton Torgerson, his ninth micro win of the year, 16th win of the year for the team as he wins the Lonnie Kaiser Memorial for Super 600, a $1,200 victory. He almost won the non-wing main event as well, led the first 33 laps and had an injector problem. The car was leaking and they black flagged him. He was out of the race, but almost swept the night. So big performance there from Torgerson. And those guys will be back in Glendale, Arizona at the Adobe Mountain Speedway this weekend. So we'll see how they do down there. Now, this is not a traditional type of driver to have in our winner's circle because this is in the NASCAR Gander Outdoor and RV Truck Series. Sheldon Creed, the Southern California driver, he's actually the first ARCA Menard Series champion to win the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. And if you saw that win and that title run on Friday, you know how remarkable that was. Excuse me. And you may want to look that up on YouTube if you missed that because it was one of the drives of the year. They decided to pit and take on tires for a green-white checker. I believe he restarted about 10th, and he was in the lead by the time the white flag was flying. And one mile around Phoenix, he went from 10th to 1st and won the title. A Southern California guy getting it done. So that was very cool for Sheldon Creed. And another Southern California guy, David Gillen, dropped in on the Arca Menard Series West. Of course, Jesse Love won the series title. We'll talk to his crew chief, Travis Sharp, in just a little bit. But David Gillen returning to the West Series on a one-off deal as he had multiple cars in the event with the Gillen-Crosley Racing and went on to win the race. And it had been some staggering number of years between victories, uh, you know, 15-plus years between victories. And so David Gillen back to victory lane in the West Series there in the Casino Arizona 100. And speaking of multiple years between victories, Shane Graham picked up the Red Bluff Outlaws victory, a $500 win. So congratulations to Shane Graham for getting the job done there. Our friends at Fast Forward Media have a pretty wild video clip on Facebook of some of the extracurriculars and the battling taking place between Landon Brooks and uh, Jesse Caldwell. And that's one of those, you make the call. It sounds like old Caldwell got himself into a bit of trouble. Pretty wild back and forth. And then Shane Graham benefited from all that back and forth to get the win. So Shane Graham, your Red Bluff Outlaw winner. So... It's time to hear from the crew chief of the number 19 Jesse Love Arkham Art Series West championship winning car, Travis Sharp. Youngest champion in the history of the Arkham Art Series West for Jesse Love. This is the crew chief that helped him get there. We'll get a lot of insight on how you can do that with a 15-year-old driver, what other young drivers could learn from this whole effort. And we're going to hear from him now here on the Short Track Live com hotline powered by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame. ShortTrackLive.com hotline presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame is Travis Sharp, the 2020 Arkham Menard Series West championship winning crew chief. And Travis, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. 
So let's talk about this winning weekend at Phoenix and what did it take to pull off that championship this weekend with Jesse Love? Well, it took out, it took a lot of us riding, which is something we don't like to do. I mean, we, we usually like to go after it as hard as we can, but we also knew how important this was for, uh, for winning this championship. So we, we took a very conservative approach. We just kind of rode in spots away from everybody and just, and just took our time and we're really smart about everything. And, that's a lot of credit to Jesse. It's not many 15 year olds that can, can look at big picture past the, you know, the five seconds of fame, but he's, uh, he's pretty special. He's not like the rest of them. And the previous doubleheader weekend at Roseville and Kern, you guys had a couple of challenges, couple of hiccups. Uh, were you worried at all going into Phoenix with that larger car count and all the pressure associated with that weekend? Did you have any concern going into the weekend? You know, we were concerned just because we had a couple of issues. You know, we had a we had a brake failure um, at Roseville or at um, Kern, and then at Roseville we had an engine issue. And I mean, we got the best the money can buy. Bill gave us everything we ever needed. Just you know, sometimes you just have bad luck in racing, and that's what that was. And we still managed a fourth place in Roseville and Kern. We limped at home and got us the top ten out of it. And um, we could have been a lot farther ahead in the points than we were. And you know, if things had went right, I think we could have won three in a row with three poles in a row. But, you know, this is racing, and that's why they call it racing and not winning because you never know what's going to happen next week, and you just keep doing the best you can. So can you describe your background a little bit and how you ended up with uh, Jesse Love here in 2020? It's it's crazy how life works. Um, and, you know, I was doing trucks in 2010 with Rick Crawford and the crew chief in there, and uh, moved out to Montana in 2010 or 11 and um, just kind of took it easy. You know, almost, I wouldn't say completely retired, but semi-retired just to spend time with the family and the kids and kind of get my personal life, you know, a little better than what it was and made a lot of changes there and really never planned on coming back to anything in NASCAR and kind of worked with Jesse at a late model race with Mike Nake and, and in his cars. And I was kind of a secret fan of his to start with i was kind of watching him and i thought it was cool he was doing the sprint cars and the late models and um he had kind of a a different attitude than most of the kids i'd seen and when i got a chance to work with him it was pretty much instant you know chemistry there and um they had a they had a spotter that couldn't come to one west race so i came and just you know was a driver coach for him one race and ended up the crew chief ended up leaving halfway through the season so they asked me if i'd basically come out of retirement to take over and and crew chief and team manager, basically that team and still continue to spot. And I told him, no, I said, no, I'm done. (laughs) You know, honestly, I did. I told him probably 10, 15 times, but between Bill McNally, Duke Love and Jesse, they were pretty, pretty convincing. And and I'm really glad I did it. It was a great experience. And it, it really, uh, it really was something that, that I enjoyed doing. And I almost hate that it's over, you know, after I get back and doing it, having a good time and a, a good team behind me, you know, next year I would really like to go back and do this again because, you know, it was uh, it was fun. I actually enjoyed it. Well, and and uh, Duke Love and Bill McAnally, they are pretty convincing people. That's where why they are where they are. But, uh, you know, with Jesse Love being the youngest champion in the history of the series, every week is learning, even though you came on in the middle of the season. Uh, what kind of growth did you see from Jesse as you went on week to week? Um. Tremendous. I mean, tremendous. Like he's, like I said, he's not an average 15 year old race car driver. He's very, very advanced past his years. And, um, being, being somebody that started really young driving for my dad back in 1992, three, when I was 12 or 13, 
you know, I kind of felt like I was more up on setups back then than a lot of people were just because of my dad. And then having Jesse come around, you don't see kids that, that have the passion he does most. Like he doesn't ask about, you know, the Kyle Bushes and the, the Chase Elliott's. He asks about Dale Earnhardt. Like the questions he has for me when he's asking about history, he wants to be Dale Earnhardt. He wants to figure out how to move a guy and how to, how to be somebody that's, that's different from the rest. And, and I'll tell you what, he's, he's just got an it factor to him. That's not like everybody else. And I mean, it was, it's magnetic and it, it pulled me in. It's pulled a lot of people in and it, it's hard not to watch and see what he's going to do next. It really is. Now you've worked with some really young drivers uh, in the West series and in late models, you know, Giles Thornton, he was a 15 year old when he got into the West series uh, for you as a crew chief. Is there a different way that you approach it when you're working with one of these young drivers versus working with a, a guy like a Rick Crawford? You know, it's, it's different at first. Um, that's the one thing I've noticed, you know, working like with, you know, Jesse little and, and Giles and, and Jesse, you know, the love it's, it's different from a Crawford or like a Setzer or a Presley, you know, people I'd worked with in the past because at first they, they don't really like a younger crew chief. I mean, I'm only 40 years old. So back then, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I was, I was a youngster and um, having the crew chief, someone that's that much older with that much more experience than you, it's tough. But once they buy in, I think that the coaching goes the same and it goes a long way. And I think it helps them as much. The only thing that's different between the, the older, you know, experienced drivers and the younger guys is, the older guys take it for what it is. They they take it as a, you know, a learning experience. They they got better. They enjoyed your time. But the kids, like the younger guys, those are relationships that I think that, that affect them as men. It affect them as people. And, and that's the thing I've seen Jesse and Giles. Me and Giles are still, you know, really, really good friends. And Jesse and me for, for the rest of our life will be friends because I know what kind of man that he's growing into. And I, and I I'm proud to say that I had some influence over that. And I think outside of racing that you do a lot more than just race, you teach him a lot of things about life in general. And that, I think that's the biggest difference. You know, one of the things that we heard about this year with the ARCA series, the West series from folks like uh, Haley Deegan and drivers like that is the lack of, of race breaks, the lack of pit stops with these races being a lot shorter due to the coronavirus. Uh, did that impact this year how you approach the races with the setup of the car, knowing that a lot of these races were very short and you didn't have a lot of time to uh, to make adjustments? Yeah, I think so. I mean, especially for me, you know, I haven't been in the series in five or six years. So coming back and not having practice and test time and time to go out, and you know, really get the car dialed in. Um, it, it's been tough, but I've, I've been really impressed with the team we have. Like I said, with the limited one hour practice qualifying we've got, we did set on, I think, three or four poles um, with, with our fifth or sixth lap of the day. You know, we came out just putting speed down and a lot of that goes to jesse and a lot of it goes to bill McAnally racing and the team there um i'm still like i feel like this last race i finally got all the rust off and you know just started getting back into to a place of comfort for me and uh, i hate it ended i feel like if we could win 10 more races we'd have probably won by a larger margin because i feel like i started getting the rust off to get back into a rhythm um jesse was solid from go but i think that i had to do a little catching up to get back into the the swing of things and you know we really did a, a good job as a team leaning on each other to get to this point so i mean it was uh it was definitely a challenge with the limited practice especially not having you know testing notes or even having a, an off season to prepare to be the crew chief for this team um you know we never really had that so we kind of had to go on the fly and just 
really play catch up in a hurry. And, and I think we did a great job, tremendous job actually doing that. So, of course, being a part of the junior late model series where Jesse came from and and having a lot of young drivers that tune into this program, now that you guys have had the success that you've had and all the great young drivers you've worked with, do you have any pieces of advice for some of our junior late model drivers that might be listening uh, and might want to get to the point of where of where Jesse Love is and have the success that he's having? I will say this, and it's what I tell Jesse all the time, because like, like I said, he asked a lot about Earnhardt, and he asked me well, what made him different. Was it talent? Was it, you know, experience? I was like, no, I don't think, in my opinion, it was either of those. I think he just wanted it worse than everybody, um, and that's something I really preach at Jesse, and I'll remind him on three to go. I mean, if you look at a lot of the races that we're inside five laps to go, that we're second or third, that we ended up winning, that feature that I gave is the Earnhardt want it worse than they do. Um, and that's something to be said about that because there is something extra in all of us. And at the end of the race, you know, the, Jesse hasn't got to where he's where he's going to be the best yet because the flashes I see at the end of the race, when you put that pressure on him, the things he does extra at the end of the race, once he starts doing that all the time, he's going to be unstoppable. Um, but that's the one thing I would tell these these younger kids is learn about your race car first off and just learn to want it worse. Get enough of yourself involved in these cars and these teams to where you have them to let down yourself to let down and just be in a spot to where you can want it worse than the other guy. And the last thing I wanted to ask you is kind of your mindset as a crew chief. Did you have any mentors or, or guys that were real influential to help you get where you are today? I mean, I got to thank my dad, you know, he built cup cars for a long time and I got into racing because of him and, and, uh, you know, I still think every day I got a chip on my shoulder to be better than my dad. Um, I think that's a lot of it and growing up and, you know, back East and, and doing all these things. I think that's a large part of it. Um, I got the privilege to be at Bill Davis racing for a few years through, through Johnny Benson, Mike Skinner era with Trip Bruce. And, um, he was somebody that I thought was, was really talented and really good to work with. Um, you know, there was a lot of guys that I was disappointed with as a car chief for a long time in trucks and nationwide and cup that I was, I thought I would learn more from and didn't. Um, and then there's a lot of guys that I think should be there that haven't ever got the chance because they're just not political. You know, they're just really good crew chiefs and politics plays such a big part in our sport these days that, that if it didn't, you'd probably have a lot better quality of competition, to be honest with you. Well, it was pretty exciting this season to see that record broken with Jesse Love, the youngest Arkham Art Series West champion, and you were the guy on the pit box for the second half of the year and really made that all possible. So we really want to thank you for coming on the show, providing us some insight on that, and we hope you guys have a good off season and looking forward to seeing what the next year brings. Me too, and I appreciate you having me on the show. I really do. It means a lot. And I said all you young drivers, never give up on your dreams because – no matter what, you can always have it happen. You never know. that Things can change in a heartbeat. Well, that was a very cool interview to get to hear from Travis Sharp. Something a little different. We've had a lot of drivers, a lot of promoters, but a crew chief can get you a unique perspective for what it took to win that Arkham Nard Series West title. And, uh, you know, I'd be remiss. I didn't bring this up earlier, so I'm going to bring it up now. <laughs> I'd be remiss not to give a little shout out to our young lady, Jade Avedizian, who won the National Open Wheel 600 Lucas Oil National Micro Championships in both A class and restricted the 14 year old out of Clovis, California. And 
Never before has a driver won both the A-Class and the Restricted on that circuit. They race up and down Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, places like that. And Jade Avedizian, 10 wins this year across Microsprint Racing. Won them both in those D1-driven chassis. So congratulations to her on that. Very exciting season. I know we have a lot of folks keeping an eye on what she's up to. Of course, we were lucky enough to put together a website for her and help her out with some of her publicity as well. So it's time to take our trip into what's on the radar. And I got my trusty clipboard here. But before we do that, want to talk about the schedule upheaval. That's the word I'm using of what's going to take place next week out here in California. So the original schedule is October or excuse me, October, November 17th is going to be the USAC National and Western Midget Cars at Bakersfield Speedway. That's on a Tuesday, and they'll be joined by the California Lightning Sprints with Sheldon Creed in the field for that. That event at the moment is on. They're ready to race on November 17th. November uh, 18th, or excuse me, 19th, 20th, and 21st, that would be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, was going to be the Hangtown 100 at Placerville. Well, we just got some updated coronavirus numbers, some new colors for some of the counties, and El Dorado County has put the kibosh on Placerville and on the Hangtown 100. I I absolutely can't believe that happened. Uh, when you look at the guidance for pro sports in California and what the governor's office is asking different counties to do, Placerville absolutely should be allowed to race. And I don't think El Dorado County is implementing the, the health guidelines to the letter of what the state wants. My understanding is it comes to, they didn't want the out of state competitors, but they're having NFL football games at Levi's stadium in Santa Clara where San Francisco is playing teams from all over the country. So I don't see a reason why 12 to 15 teams from the Midwest can't come out to California and race at Placerville safely. So really disappointed with that, but we get something on the flip side. So instead they're going to go to Merced on Friday and Saturday, the 20th and the 21st, the Merced Speedway, Doug Lockwood's going to host the USAC National Midget Cars. Friday, they'll be joined by Winged 360s. Saturday, they'll be joined by the California Lightning Sprints, the BCRA Midget Light Combo Race, and they'll also have the Hobby Stocks. That means that the race that was scheduled for the following week on Wednesday, the 25th at Merced, won't happen. So 17th Bakersfield and then 20th and 21st Merced. All the details at shorttracklive.com. I don't know yet if it has any impact on the modified race they're having at Merced on November 27th, the day after Thanksgiving, where we're planning to be for flow racing. So I will keep you posted on that one. So a bit of a schedule upheaval out here on the West coast, all the details on our website. So time to look at what is racing this weekend and a big event at Madeira. That's where we will be live short track TV on YouTube and tape delay on Mav TV. It's called the Turkey triple open, but it really has turned into the quadruple Turkey as there will be four 75 lap races. The open late models, not a nut up pro late model points race. This is an open event on Saturday at Madeira. 
30 plus cars on the entry list. What's really cool is the Herzog family. You're going to have Grandpa Richard, the dad, Brian, the grandson, Austin, on the entry list. The Schlunt family doing the same thing. They'll have dad, uncle, and son on the entry list. So, again, 30 open late models, 30-plus. They might have a C main, depending on what the turnout is like. 75-lap A main, two grand to win. The open modifieds, about 17 or 18 cars on the list including 2020 All-American Speedway Limited Modified Champion Jason Philpot going to Madeira to take on drivers like Eddie Sicord, who has a win there this year, Jaron Giannini, who also has a win this year, Cameron Austin, the winner of the Bob Lehman Classic at Stockton. He'll be in a modified at Madeira. He's never won at Madeira. He's been very fast there over the years in North State races. So that is a very intriguing event for the modified. 75 laps, $1,000 to win. The Hobby Stocks, they've got about 16 of them. They'll race for 500 to win in their 75 lapper. Lots of big names in that field. And then you're wondering what the fourth class is. It'll be those big steel body challenge cup cars. Those are the old West series cars. They've got about eight of them right now lined up for that one. So four main events, 75 laps apiece, expecting an open late model B main. It'll all be free on YouTube, the short track TV, YouTube about three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And once we're done, we're going to do a 2020 awards banquet. So for the drivers who aren't getting a banquet in all the divisions at Madeira, we'll be handing out trophies and live streaming that as well. Also racing this weekend, a bunch of stuff that might be a little bit off most people's radar. Orland Raceway will have their season finale. They'll have micro sprints, wingless sprints, things like that. The Tulare Kings Karting Club has a full winter series of outlaw kart racing and flat kart racing, kind of making up for Chowchilla and the barn burner not racing. So they'll be on this Saturday. And Lamore Raceway, you may remember they added points races on November 14th and then their finale November 21st to make up for COVID-19. So Lamore Raceway, will be racing this weekend. So there's going to be about four or five events in California this weekend. And then that really busy weekend next week with all the USAC stuff. So we'll have all the news and updates on our website, shorttracklive.com. Remember, we're live every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific here on Facebook, on all of our websites, and also across all the podcasting platforms on demand like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Google Play Music. So you never miss an episode of Blakesley Sports Media Live. Once again, want to thank our guest, Travis Sharp, after the awesome 2020 season he had for Bill McAnally in the Arkham Menard Series West. And we'll see you at the races.